While the country was watching football, going to church, relaxing, the Suns hosted a Sunday afternoon game and decimated, destroyed the New York Knicks. On today's episode of Locked On Suns, we'll break down how the Suns pulled away in the second half and why campaign continues to dominate. Let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credential media member covering the Suns for the past six seasons and a writer at Suns.com and Dime Magazine. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen here on this Monday. I hope some of you have the week off of work. I know some don't. I don't. So happy Monday. Let's make it through these three days, five days, whatever it is for you. Starting with a big Suns win here on Sunday afternoon. You can follow along wherever you find your podcast. We are free. We are everywhere. The best way to keep us everywhere is to subscribe. So hit follow, hit subscribe, whether you're on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, whatever it might be, will be in your feed every single Monday through Friday, as long as you hit that button. If you are on YouTube, go ahead and hit the bell down below, get a notification when new shows go live and drop a comment in the YouTube channel down below with your thoughts on today's game. You can also follow along on Twitter at LockedOnPHXSuns where we have our seven words or less game takes after every single game. We have the real Glenn at Goomba underscore 81 saying easy money. We have Jimothy Thomas at Thomas Jimothy saying campaign balling out while Booker rests so you can hang out on game days over on the Twitter as well. Let's dive in. 116 to uh, 95, 21-point win. The New York Knicks are looking, starting to look like they might break. Uh, there are 500 or so, but today was ugly on their end. And uh, as always, we'll start with the the moment of the game. I like to, it's either a run, it's a play, it's some sort of scuttle that happens. But today it was the beginning of the third quarter, specifically the nine-minute and 19 second mark. All right, Quentin Grimes hits a layup to tie the game. It's crazy to look at this and think the Suns actually were tied at one point in the second half, but they were 60 to 60. From that point until the Knicks called a timeout at the six minute mark, the Suns went on a 15 to four run. And once again, we talked about this in the bonus episode I did on Friday night about the Utah game. Once again, in this case, the run was driven by Devin Booker. But I want to get into some highlights of the run, first of all. We had a series of defensive sort of hustle plays that Booker was able to initiate right away. So Booker gets a dunk off of a steal from Julius Randle. Randle dives on the ground, tries to get the ball away from Book, who's also going after it. Gives it right to McHale. McHale throws it to Book for a dunk. You have a Torrey Craig three in rhythm off of a Booker assist. And then you have a transition play where I believe it was Julius Randle missed a layup. 
The Suns go the other way. They have numbers, but rather than even drive it in and take advantage of that, uh, Booker gets a three-point jumper, just pulls up in the middle of a transition situation and gets it from the right wing. And then, to cap it off, Booker drives into the teeth of the defense, gets the, the Knicks defense, which was admittedly not hard to get them out of control in this game, but they are uh, looking around, you know, not keeping track of anybody. Aiton gets the ball uh, right outside the restricted area, tosses up a little five-foot sort of bunny, and that goes in. That's the play that eventually makes um, Tom Thibodeau call a timeout. So again, it was Booker, Booker, and more Booker in this run. He had, uh, I believe, five points and two assists in this three-minute span. And it was the deciding factor of the game because that 60-60 to tie at about the nine-minute mark was really the only time the Suns were tested all that much. I know going into halftime, it was only a two-point game. I mean, I have notes on the first half. I don't think it was always pretty, but I think the Suns were in a good rhythm felt like they were in control of the game. And then the Knicks come out, admittedly, with a, a, a crazed sort of energy at the beginning of the second half. You know, they they look comfortable. I, I guess crazed is a little bit extreme. But, you know, R.J. Barrett gets an open three. Isaiah Hartenstein gets an easy look. And then the Grimes layup that I mentioned, they, they kind of seize that moment. And so the Suns were able to, to turn it around. I think the other interesting thing about this moment in time here that really makes it important as well, similar to Friday's game, although obviously Booker did not have the tremendous overall night that he did against the Jazz in this home game against the Knicks. What he did was show up in the biggest spots. There were multiple candidates. I think I did two moments of the game in that bonus episode because the Suns kept pushing and it was such a back and forth night. In this one, it was especially impressive because Booker was not all that great in this game, especially um, in the first half. He was two of seven from the field, I want to say. In the first half tonight, he didn't really have the free throw line going for him. He didn't really get a lot of assists or any of that. The ball was moving really well, but it wasn't him driving it all that much. And still, when the moment really called for it, he put this team on his back. He generated offense and hustle plays and all the little things that needed to add up to what ended up being a 15-4 run. And the Suns never looked back. The lead gets up to 20, obviously, as the final score indicates. And they really just pushed on the gas. Booker didn't even have to play at all in the fourth quarter. So he did himself a favor with it as well. Takeaway of the game. It's all about... Cameron Payne. We'll talk about his incredible night, his consistent play overall this season. After one more, after one quick break, first today's show, guys, brought to you by BetterHelp. And look, I don't think it's any shocker that we all went into the past couple of years in one place, and we went into where we are now with a in a much different place. Today's show, as I said, sponsored by. Better help. Unfortunately, life doesn't come with a user's manual. When it's not working for you, it's normal to feel stuck. Lord knows I have felt stuck. I didn't have a consistent job at the beginning of all of this in the past few years. 
then I got one, then you have those hesitancies, the FOMO, is it all going well, then there's life on top of work, it's not easy. So whether you have dealt with something specific of a change in your life or just the general everyday ups and downs, BetterHelp can help. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it is affordable. It's not going to break the bank. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with your therapist. And if things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It literally could not be simpler or more efficient. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. So learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on NBA. Cameron Payne is the man of the night easily. 21 points, 7 of 14 from the field, 2 of 5 from 3, even got to the free throw line 5 times, 7 rebounds, 9 assists, and just two turnovers. He's a plus 15 in the box score in his 32 minutes. I easily could have picked, in, in honestly, another moment to highlight campaign. But I do think that third quarter stretch was what solidified the game. But I want to key into a specific moment as well when it comes to pain. And then I want to you know, give you a little bit of insight into what Payne said and what Monty said post-game. But this guy is putting on as good of a Chris Paul impression in late game moments as I think anyone could have expected. All right. And Monty pointed to a specific moment where the lead got to 15. The lead got cut to 15 early in the fourth quarter when the Knicks... You know, again, I'm not going to overstate what the Knicks were doing. I would say mostly it was the Suns not making shots that allowed the Knicks to cut back into it. And then what happens? But campaign checks in at exactly the time when the lead gets cut. Monty said, Book looked over to him as the coach and said, you know, kind of gave him like a eyebrow raise. Are we good? Is this all right? Do I need to come back in? And instead of Monty putting Book back in, what he did is he put Campaign back in. And Payne steadied the ship. Just did exactly what was necessary. He made a little leaner along the baseline. He got a rebound. He got an assist to Damian Lee. Cross court. uh, An incredible skip pass to the right corner where Campaign obviously left-handed. It helps. Then Payne made his own three. And that was the moment where he's, uh, the Knicks call a timeout, the lead goes to 26, and that's the already infamous video of Payne doing the the finger gun thing and bobbing his head back and forth, and then uh, Devin Booker doing it back. And I'm sure Book was doing it in part to celebrate Payne's big play, but I'm sure it was somewhat of a thank you Cam, I don't have to come back into this game, right? And so that is, yes, another moment of the game, pardon me, but it is also just so indicative of the job that Payne is doing this season as, I mean, I don't even necessarily, in terms of the efficiency in those moments, 
I think he's doing a pain, a, a Paul impression. But frankly, if we just want to be honest about the production overall, Payne is playing better than Chris Paul since he took over as starter, right? I mean, no one's ever going to, in six games, try to make the case that, okay, Payne's better than a Hall of Famer. I'm not doing that. Some of you in my mentions on Twitter are doing that, but I'll let you have your opinion. I'm not quite there yet, but uh, NBA Central on Twitter had the numbers overall. So the past six games, campaign is averaging 20 points, six rebounds, and four assists on 46% shooting from the field, 46% shooting from three, and 90% shooting from the free throw line. I want to point your attention toward another number, which is after tonight's game where Payne had nine assists and just two turnovers, he is at 63 assists and 39 turnovers, sorry, 29 turnovers this season, which is extending his assist to turnover past two to one in terms of the ratio. And another number here is his box plus minus, which is just about at zero. And that's not amazing, but it's much more tilting in the offensive direction than it was last season. And his overall, I just feel, you know his impact is better. And I think, to me, the defensive stats can be a little bit hit or miss when you look at them on the whole. Plus, those those numbers are looking at his whole season. We know he's been a lot better recently. The offense coming around is one of the single most important turnarounds for the Sun season from last year to this year, okay? We don't know what the Jay Crowder trade will bring. We don't know if there's other moves on the horizon. We don't even, let's say, know what like Dwayne Washington will become or if Landry Shamit can get this concussion situation figured out. But despite all of that uncertainty, the Suns can credibly, confidently say campaign is much, much, much better than he was last season. In terms of that efficiency, that poise, that confidence in big moments that I just highlighted, but also in terms of just overall production. I think it's fair to say this is one of the best stretches of his career ever because last year, you know, the game when Cam Johnson, also against the Knicks, Cam Johnson hits that game winner. There's the the Friday night ESPN game, if you guys remember this, where I believe Damian Lillard, Anthony Simons, Devin Booker, and Chris Paul are all out. Kind of like the Blazers game that just happened a couple weeks ago. It was on Friday night. Campaign played an incredible performance in that game. There were some moments, right, where COVID or injuries were affecting the Suns and Payne stepped up last year. But I don't remember another stretch where he was this consistent, playing this many minutes, being put into so many different types of game situations, and the production the patience and the efficiency were all going at full strength, at full confidence. Um, It's massive. It's massive to pull out wins like this. It's massive for the overall trajectory of this team. We knew going in this, this whole campaign, what he does was the biggest need that the Suns had. You probably would say that's still true. I need to see it for more than six games and I need to see it for more than just regular season games to go fully to telling you 
It would be a lie for me to tell you now that I think that hole is plugged. The shot creator, the spark plug as an offensive engine, we're not there yet. But he has done a heck of a lot to satisfy what I think the Suns are looking for. To where, at the very least now, you know, let's say Jay Crowder were to get traded. The Hawks have now come up again. Let's say the Bogdan Bogdanovich trade, all right? He hasn't played this year. There's health concerns. I don't know if that's actually on the table, but let's say it is. Let's say Bogdan Bogdanovich gets added to this team or anyone else. Pick your favorite. Eric Gordon. We've talked about him a lot too. Another scoring creator comes onto this Suns team. At the very least, that player is no longer replacing campaign in the pecking order or providing a cushion because of campaign's limitations. All that still exists. You're not going to hear me once again lie to you and tell you that there's no more question. But it's what can we add if I'm James Jones? It's what can I do to balance out campaign? What can I do to complement campaign? Because he's not the question mark that he was last year anymore. We might only be six games into his stretch as a starter, but we are 13 games into the season for him, 16 games overall into this season, almost a quarter of the way through, and he has been a breath of fresh air. He is a much better player right now than he was last year, and tonight was honestly just the latest proof of what he's been showing since tip-off of the Mavericks game, which if you forgot, he closed over Chris Paul. This is not new, but it was very big tonight. A couple go-to nightly post-game segments we're going to close out with, including a very surprising candidate for the pigeon of the game. First today's show, guys, brought to you by Prize Picks. Look, you know, I know, daily fantasy can be a grind. It can be pretty crappy and difficult. But what Prize Picks did is they took the whole model, they turned it on its head, and they made it fun. All right? You pick the more or less than Prize Picks' player projections, and that's how you set your lineup. All right? Two to six players, and if they will score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, and you can run up to 25 times your money on any entry. But I said score, it's not just points. They can go more on rebounds, more on assists, more on, let's say, fantasy points. You don't even have to do the box score stats. You can go fantasy points. You're not competing against other people. It's just you versus those prize picks projections. They offer projections on not just basketball as well. NFL, MLB, golf, college football. They even have cricket, disc golf, European basketball, esports, NASCAR, anything you can dream up. You can put a projection prediction down in your lineup and make money. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less and PrizePix offers safe and fast withdrawal. So download the PrizePix app today or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play this revolutionary daily fantasy sports game. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code LOCKED ON. So if you deposit 100, PrizePix puts 100 right back into your pocket. $50 in, PrizePix gives you $50 out. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy made easy. All right, so we do the pigeon of the game here on our post-game recap shows. I have an interesting one 
for you guys. Um, there was a clip going around of Julius Randle on one play. I believe it was in transition. I might even be wrong about that. Devin Booker handles the ball, uh, gets it to Mikhail Bridges in the right corner for a wide open three. Whose man was that? Oh, it was Julius Randle's man. Then Mikhail front rims that three. DeAndre Ayton collects the rebound, puts it back up, puts it, I think, maybe up one more time. Who's standing between DeAndre Ayton and the basket? It's Julius Randle. There's a weather vane for this Knicks team that can help you know what the status is of the locker room, of the roster, the vibes in the texture of the team. The weather vane is Julius Randle's on-court attitude, all right? You can tell this team's falling apart a little bit because Randle is supposed to be their leader and their best player, and he's playing like there's nothing to play for when they're in the middle of the standings in the East, and they should be. All that to say, Julius Randle, with how bad even that play and some other ones looked, Julius Randle's not the pigeon of the game. Tom Thibodeau is the pigeon of the game in this 116-95 loss. And a lot of what I just said is why. Not the Randall sulking and not rotating. Not to say that's excusable, but it wasn't just Randall is the problem. All right? there. I have here a note. It may have been a tweet. <laughs> the... The tweet was, <clears throat> I think I called the, the, the Knicks defense atrocious. And I'm not normally like, look, far be it from me to be the guy always criticizing coaching and things like that. Like if I could coach the Knicks better, then I'd have a, a much firmer place to stand on. But I can't coach the Knicks. The biggest issue to me is they were ball watching there was no discipline. They were not preventing perimeter driving by the by Payne, by Booker, by whoever. It just didn't seem like they had any interest in competing on that end. There was one play that Mike V. Hill of the Timeline Podcast tweeted out. It was supposed to be a highlight of the Suns, which I think it is. Uh, I think it's still a, a pretty solid showing by the Suns to be able to move the ball, get a good shot. But there's a, a moment in this possession where Bismack Biombo gets the ball at the top of the key, rotates it over to Josh Akogi. Josh Akogi makes, uh, ends up running like a pick and roll with Bismack Biombo. Now, we know Josh Akogi is not much of an offensive threat. He's definitely not going to pull up from three in that situation. He's not even very likely to get downhill. He just doesn't have the skill to his offensive game to be much of a threat. But what do the Knicks do? They turn around and they treat him like he is, I mean, I don't know. I compared it to Steph Curry and Draymond Green in a pick and roll. And so Bismack sets the screen. Jericho Sims, who's like the third center on the Knicks, jumps out, hedges on the pick and roll. So he steps out to basically cut off Okogi's drive. This is something you see teams do to amazing creators, right? We've seen them do this to Devin Booker, to Chris Paul, not to Josh Okogie, but they do that anyway. 
So Bismack Biombo then is able to get downhill, go roll toward the basket because now his man has jumped out on Josh Okogie. So Okogie makes the right play, gets the ball to Bismack Biombo. Well, what happens then is RJ Barrett has to rotate out from the perimeter. And then the minute that happens, you see Mikhail Bridges cut to the basket for a dunk. All right. So play by play of that awful set aside, the pigeon of the game was Tom Thibodeau because he did not have his team ready to compete. This team should be better at defense. First of all, it's what Thibodeau is great at, right? And second of all, like Chris Paul didn't play. Cam Johnson didn't play. The Suns scoring, it has been a grind at times. We all watched the fourth quarter against the Miami Heat, right? I know that's like another level of defensive team, even compared to the Knicks, but we have seen this Suns offense grind down when it's not going well, when teams can sell out to stop Booker, when other guys aren't taking threes or providing that outlet or making the right pass, this offense can grind down. We know that can happen. The Knicks should be able to do it. You know, they have RJ Barrett or Quentin Grimes, guys who theoretically could guard Booker. Booker did not have a very good first half. Randall, Hartenstein, they should be able to end possessions with rebounds, which they did not do. The Suns out-rebounded this team 60-39, to which is craziness. Um, and they didn't. They did not. <laughs> um, so Tom Thibodeau is the pigeon of the game. The pigeon of the game is normally the guy who is being picked on. So it could be Randall, right? The Suns were picking on him. He was not giving effort, so it was very easy to do that. But the Suns were picking on the Knicks tonight. And Thibodeau is to blame. That'll wrap us up. Happy Monday. Happy short week again. Uh, We'll have shows for you all week and uh, maybe outside of Thursday or Friday. We will see. Um, Tomorrow, I believe Aaron Edwards will be on. We have a game recap show of the Lakers game on Tuesday. So do not go anywhere. Hit subscribe, hit follow. Make sure you get Locked on Suns in your feed every single day. And in the meantime, go make Locked On Sports Today your second listen to catch up on everything going on around the whole world of sports, the football weekend, and much more in 20 minutes or less. That show is available wherever you get your podcasts, and I will talk to you all tomorrow.